My name is David Diggs. For those of you guys who don't know me, I grew up down the street in Swenson, Texas. Both of us are on the other side of the tracks from Aspermont, Texas, but it's okay. Grew up in Swenson, lived there most of my whole life. I've been pastoring around for a few years now, and so uh, God has led me back here this morning. I've got to tell you, it's the greatest privilege ever. Not just to be able to preach. It's been a, been a little while since I've been able to preach. But also, not just to preach, but to preach on this morning. Do you realize this is the greatest event that happened in the history of mankind? Of all the things that we've seen, and all the things, some of you live longer than I have, all the things that you've seen, and all the things that have happened, this we celebrate is the greatest thing that has ever happened in all of mankind. What an exciting, exciting morning to be here some of you guys may remember I did my first revival right here in Peacock, Texas, which Cecil Dedman was the, was the evangelist. And I came here, I will not forget that, because I told Sheila when we came, we are going to liven this place up. We are going to jam, honey. She was playing the piano. She was nervous and playing the piano so fast, I literally broke out in a sweat in victory in Jesus. <laughs> and she wouldn't listen to me. She was just had her head down and she was going for it, boy. Woo! So we had to slow down after that a little bit. Victory in Jesus, not supposed to be that fast. You got victory, but man, I was about to, about to have a heart attack or something. What a great day to be in the Lord's house, though, today, to be able to celebrate this magnificent event. We've talked about it, we've talked about it, we've talked about it with the children, we've talked about it in Sunday school, but I, I am really convinced, I really am, that... If we, or something we don't do maybe in America very much, is remember and think about what's happened and what God has done for us. The Jews have a whole week-long celebration of the Passover feast. And, and they, they talk about it to their children. And they bring them up knowing all of the things that God has done in their society and in their life. Sometimes we forget. And it's awful easy to forget. I, we live at just outside of Slayton. And I don't know about you, you guys, but we've had a little wind and not any rain of late. And it'd be really easy to, to start thinking, man, is God even here anymore? Is, what's He doing? Has He forsaken us? Has he, has he left us? No, I can promise you that is not the truth. God never leaves us and never forsakes us, and there's nothing out of His control. Nothing, ever. It didn't surprise Him. The other night my dog was barking. I told Gary Myers this. The other night my dog was barking, so I opened the door to look outside. We've got a pecan tree that's about yay big around in the backyard, and I couldn't see it. It was nothing but dirt. Whoo, it was a bad, I was wishing it was rain, but it was nothing but dirt. But God was still in that. He's still there. He's not left us or forsaken us. He knows exactly what's going on in our lives every moment of the day. And He loves us still. That's what's so amazing to me. It's good to see Joel here this morning, by the way. I didn't say anything to, about him a while ago. He doesn't know this, but I've kept up with his career in Guidestone and all the stuff he's gone through all these years. We played basketball against each other a long, long time ago. Uh, don't care to do that anymore, Joel, just to be honest with you. So there we go. If you would, just listen to this passage of Scripture. We're going to be looking at the book of John because it's my favorite, it's my favorite account of the resurrection. We're going to be looking at a little bit of all of it, and I don't, want to, I don't want to keep us here all day, although I hadn't gotten to preach in a while, so hey, it'd be all right for me. 
<laughs> Amen. We got we got one of those Victory Victory Life Baptist Church. I, I worked in facilities at Victory Life Baptist Church for for a year or so, a year and a half. And uh, and the preacher can't don't know how to land the plane, so we were going to fly one of them little helicopters or something down there and show him how to land the plane for us all over with. Twelve o'clock, we're supposed to go home. He'd be still going on. So I understand. I understand. I'll, we'll try not to do that. Try not to do that. So we're going to be in the book of John chapter 20. But, but I want to go back to the book of Romans first of all. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. A lot of us probably in this room have, have memorized that verse. But I want to go just a little bit above that. And in Romans chapter 5 verse 6 it says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Now I want you to think about that. In all of the, the years and years of history, all the eons of time, Jesus came just at the right time. Why didn't he come a few years before that when the Maccabeans had freed the, uh, the, the Jews from uh, underneath the Greek empire? Why did he come when the Romans started to conquer everything? Why, why did he come before that when, when the Babylonians had come in? Why, why did he wait till this time? They were occupied by the Romans. Why, why did Jesus come at this time? Because it was the right time. Why didn't he come now? Why didn't he come? Why didn't he, God wait till 2020? Obviously, we need Jesus more than ever right now. By the way, there's nothing that has been devised to man that's any worse than what it was before. We're still people. We're still people. But he came at just the right time. And by the way, he's going to come back at just the right time. When time is complete, he'll come back. Christ died for their God. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What an amazing thing that is. So I've got a couple of questions this morning. The first one would be, if, if God called you today to die for your enemies, to die for those people you couldn't stand, for, to die for those people who were against you and you knew they were against you, to die for them, would you pay that cost? Because Jesus did. It's, a, it's unfathomable to me that God didn't wait for all of us to get good and to do the right thing and to become righteous, and then he died for us. Instead, he paid the price for our sins, and it was necessary for him to pay that price. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So for all of these years, all of these eons of time before that, they had brought sacrifices to the altar to pay for the sins of the people. And yet, it didn't work out so well. It's like taking a, a pill once a year and saying, oh, we're going to be good for the rest of the year. Guess what? The next day people were sinning again. It just didn't stop. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death, eternal separation from God. But Jesus, in the middle of all of that, came and died for our sins. He paid the price for all sin for all eternity. In fact, I would say to you today that it's, if you don't accept Jesus Christ, God has said you're going to a place called hell. If you accept Jesus Christ, you're going to a place called heaven. It's not because of all your sin, because the sins have been paid for. Sin has been paid for. 
The Bible says this, Jesus said of himself that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by means of me, except through me. It's the only way to get to heaven. It's the only way to come in, into relationship with God. It's not about how good you are, how many times you come to church, or all the great things you do. Those are wonderful. How much Bible you read, that's a wonderful thing. You'll never know more about God until you get into His Word. But until you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord and believe, believe that God raised Him from the dead, you're not going to get there. It's not about what you do. It's what, what Jesus has already done. It's an awesome thing. And that's, it's unbelievable that God sent His Son, that, that Jesus lived and died to show us what a perfect life looked like. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.15 that, that He was tempted in all the ways that we are, yet He didn't sin. Then it says also in the book of Philippians chapter 2 that Christ was obedient even unto death, death on the cross. And as marvelous and awesome as that is, because we had no other way to get to God besides that. There was be no other way we could do that. As great as that is, there's something even better. That's what we're going to look at today. John chapter 20. <coughs> John chapter 20, starting with verse 1. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, you remember Mary Magdalene, she was a lady that, that Jesus had cast out seven demons out of her life. She, man, it had been a rough time for her. And Jesus was precious to her, precious. Some of you guys know that feeling too. Jesus is so precious to you. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and, and went to Simon Peter and, and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. I like that. J John never recognizes himself except as the one that Jesus loved. And he said, she said to them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb and, and we don't know where they've, they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were Going towards the tomb, both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now I would ask you a great theological question. Why is that in there? It's, a, it's one of the most interesting places in the Bible. We were talking about the discrepancies in that. Why is this in the Bible? They were running to the tomb, and John says, and by the way, I outran Peter to the tomb. Just wanted you to know that. He must be from Stonewall County or something, man. Have that kind of. I always think that just makes me laugh every time I see it because it has no relevance in the, in the magnitude of the story. And yet it's in there. And I think that's one of the reasons it is. I think one of the things that we forget about is God has a great sense of humor. It's awesome. God allows that to be in his scripture to say to us, it's okay. Might have been a little competition between Peter and John. I don't know. But he writes that in, in, in the book. So then Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. Of course he did. John wasn't going to go in there yet. But Peter went in the tomb. And the face cloth which had been at Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and, and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead, then the disciples went back to their homes. 
There's a few things in that little passage of Scripture that I want us to think about. <clears throat> First of all, they had been with Jesus for three years. We've talked about that this morning in Sunday school. We talked about it with the kids. I, I don't know. I cannot imagine what was going through their minds. I can't imagine when, when Jesus was supposed to come and, and all of the, the Pharisees and Sadducees and, and all the great leaders of Israel said that when the Messiah comes, He's going to be a great conqueror. He's going to take back over everything and Israel's going to be the big dog on the block, if you will. Israel's going to be it. He's going to take back his people and, and free us from all of this slavery and all of the things that have happened over the years. And Jesus came and wasn't like that at all. Wow. You mean the Pharisees and Sadducees got it wrong? The scribes and the prophets didn't, by the way. If you go back and look at prophecy, the prophets told us exactly what Jesus was going to be like. That's the most interesting part. These guys who studied the scripture all the time kind of missed the boat. But they were expecting this big conqueror. And in fact, some people, Judas um, Iscariot, John calls him a devil. But Judas, I have to say to you, might have even been trying to get Jesus, give him a little prompt. Hey, we need to get this thing going. And he was wrong. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, nor did he come as a great conqueror, but came to save the world. In fact, he showed us a beautiful picture of what that means even in this little passage of Scripture that he died and rose again just for us. Just for us. What a beautiful picture that is to say that, that they had walked with him and talked with him for these three years but still didn't understand and all of a sudden the light bulb came on. John got it. This is what he was talking about. Over and over again, Jesus has said to them, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go and, and be killed, and on the third day I'm going to rise. But they hadn't gotten it yet. Now all of a sudden, it all came to fruition. It all came down to that point that they understood what Jesus meant. Wow. What a great moment. I hope for a great moment for you. You know, we can go back and... And I've said this before, I believe that if we could stop and, and, and just have three or four days together to talk about this story. Just for us as a church to come together and remember what Jesus did, but to take that time and, and really look at the story and analyze it historically, because we can prove this historically, not only can we prove it biblically, this event happened. This event took place. I cannot imagine anybody reading this and studying and understanding it and not realizing that Jesus is real and that God is real and that God's love for us is real. Can you imagine if all of the world believed in Jesus? Wow. What a difference that would make. What a difference. So John, after seeing all this and realizing that he was risen from the tomb, Suddenly, it all came together and he believed. We go on with the story, but Mary, Mary Magdalene, stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she, she stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, out, one on the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they laid him. She hadn't got there yet. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know it was Jesus. 
This is a lady who knows Jesus really well. And he said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said one word to her, Mary. Wow. Maybe it's because I'm getting older, but I look forward to that day. There's going to be a day for all of us who have believed in Jesus Christ, who are in relationship with Him, that we'll see Him face to face. and He'll call our name. Wow. That's going to be a good day. That's going to be a good day. And we have that hope because of this one event that, that took place. Oh, the, the Romans and the, and the Jewish elite kind of tried to cover that up, but they couldn't. They couldn't cover it up. Even historically, because the Romans recorded everything, there's still record of those soldiers coming back and giving reports. By the way, they had to come back and give report of all that had happened and what, what had been done. And they could have lost their lives because of that. We don't know whether they did or not, by the way. But they came back and gave the report that he's gone. Nobody came and stole him away. A centurion with three of his best guys or four of his best guys there aren't going to just let someone come up and take the body. He's risen. And then, to top that all off, I was thinking in Sunday school this morning, what us preachers forget about is the day after and the day after that and the, and the weeks after that. More than 500 people saw Jesus alive after he was resurrected. Wow. What an event in history. Do you realize what that says to us? Not only that if we believe in Jesus Christ with all that we are, if we believe that He is the Son of God and God raised Him from the dead, if we believe that with every ounce of our being, we're saved. But secondly, there won't be no more death. Jesus said, or God said of Jesus, that, that He loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son that if we would believe in Him, we would never Wow, that's amazing. You know, all of the study I've done and all the work I've done over the years trying to get closer and closer to Jesus and learn who He is, I've come to realize I don't comprehend what heaven's like. I, I don't think my finite mind can grasp that. Nor can my finite mind grasp what hell is like, But even though I believe it's a real place unbelievable what Jesus did for us not just to give us life here on earth and life abundant the Bible says but to give us everlasting life so here's the second question I've got for you this morning it's also found in the book of John by the way this event happened a few weeks prior <coughs> Lazarus had died good friend of Jesus been over at his house Mary and Martha was his sisters. Lazarus had died. Jesus was about, oh, 10, 12 miles away. Across the Jordan, it said. So he was, might have been 15 miles away with his disciples. He'd come back across and, and, and Lazarus had, had died. And so Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus. Man, go get Jesus because Lazarus has died. And Jesus waited another two days before he came back. It's only a day's walk by the way, waited another two days before he came back 
to there. And, and when he came back, Mary and Martha met him. And Martha says to him, Jesus, if you would just been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. If you would just been here. And Jesus looks at Martha and says this, Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes into me shall never die. Do you believe this? It's, it's, a, it's a haunting question for us. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is truly the resurrection and the life? Do you really believe that he's the only way to God? Do you believe that, that God raised him from the dead? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you really believe? If so, if so, I believe we've got to say then we've got to demonstrate that to the world. I, I wonder <laughs> all the time, since Jesus' resurrection, been a little over 2,000 years, he called us, as we go, therefore, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He gave us a job. He gave us a commandment to do. And yet the church, and I'm not talking about Peacock, I'm talking about the church, hadn't got the job done. If I was God, I'd have fired us by now. We hadn't got the job done. We have got the greatest, most awesome story that's ever been told in the history of mankind. We have got the most awesome event, the greatest thing that has ever been done in the history of man. And we keep it to ourselves most of the time when Jesus told us to go and tell. Wow. How can we keep, how can we keep that inside? It ought to flow through us and fill us up. There's something I'd like for you to do <coughs> this weekend most especially is take some time and look in every single one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John has an account of the resurrection. Lay those side by side and look at them a little bit. See what God did for you and for me. If you got those little doubts coming in your mind, look at the resurrection again. Jesus has paid it all. He's done it for us. I would pray that in these days and these hours, that we would understand what God has done for us. And that we would go out and tell other people about who our Jesus is. What an awesome, awesome privilege. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for what you've done in my life. And I thank you for what you've done in the lives of so many people in this room. God, I ask two things today. In these moments that God, we would think about what you've called us to do. You called us to go out and share you with the world. With all those people around us, with our friends and our family. And God, we would count that cost and be willing to pay it, whatever it takes. And then, Father, I pray that you would well up in us like a spring of water. That not only are you real, but you are the resurrection and the life. All things are in your control. Nothing is out of you. And I thank you for that, Father. What a great privilege to be here this morning with my brothers and sisters in Christ, Father. We give you praise for all things. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. <coughs> Do we have an invitation? Would you stand with us as we sing an invitation? Maybe God today is working in your life. Maybe today you need to be the one that says, I'm willing to step out and do what God has called me to do. I hope you'll make that decision as we sing.